Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast, it's the football podcast. And I know what you're wondering is everybody here today? Are we all here? Stay tuned to find out. We've got last week's games to go through, we've got this week's games to go through, and everything in between. Before we start, please do consider like, share, subscribe, and comment. Leave us a review where you can leave reviews and share the podcast around. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. No, no. Don't adjust your sets, ladies and gentlemen. I am indeed back on your, well, for your viewing and uh, listening pleasure. Um, obviously, I wasn't here last week to bring you your weekly fix of footballing-based nonsense, but these three lovely gentlemen did a stellar bang-up job in my absence. So the first thing for me to do after uh, welcoming you along to this week's podcast is to thank these three gentlemen for uh, getting the uh, getting the show done in my uh, in my absence. So thank you very much, gents. And those three gentlemen are Mr. Andrew Cook, leader of the, uh, the Cookie Cast Podcast Network. How are you, sir? I am good, thank you. Lovely stuff. We like to hear it. Mr. Matthew Moore, how are you, sir? Good. All good. How are you? Excellent. I'm, 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 I'm just peachy, peachy keen. Thank you very much. Um, and um, last but certainly not least is Mr. Shearwoman T. How are you, sir? Oh, delighted. Stu's reaction there may tell you all you need to know about our last game when we come to it later on in the evening. But um, that might be giving it away slightly. Uh, so, yes, just to address the rumours that were from last week. No... I didn't have to go in for any major surgery or anything like that. There have been no huge changes to my personal circumstances. I just... Whoa, 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 whoa. That is a lie, and if she hears that, you're going to get your ass kicked, man. <laughs> well, she, she being my, my, my beautiful now wife. Um, there it is. She did actually hear the podcast when I was uh, listening to it earlier in the week, and she was like, should, should I be should I be complaining about these things that are being said at this particular point? And I was like, no, no, it's all just you know, it's all just taken in jest and uh, and and said with with love and uh, understanding. But uh, yes, so we we didn't want to give away your big news. That was your news to drop. And if it maybe sounded like something else, then that's just the way that the listeners took it. I certainly didn't insinuate you were going in for surgery. <laughs> I just thought. <laughs> I thought we were just going for like the take that policy in the in like the early nineties of if if we let everyone if we let the world know that he's now off the market, all our female listeners are going to stop listening. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd I'd love I'd love to think that I'm I'm the sort of the uh, you know the eye candy as it were that's bringing the people in, but I think we all know that that would be um, a bullshit. So um, you know. That's neither here nor there. So, let's dive in, shall we? So, um, for 
more games to go through this week, and then obviously next week's predictions to give. Um, so we'll start with my boys. It was uh, Middlesbrough versus Norwich City. It was the first game on the slate of this week's game, and it was the Friday night fixture. Um, so obviously get the game out of the way, and then I could have the weekend to myself to enjoy and do whatever I thought was the best thing to do. Um, and what what an evening it was. Uh, Middlesbrough out 5-1 victors against Norwich City. This was, oh, to say that it was a stroll in the park would probably be a little bit of an insult to strolls in the park as it was probably a little bit more easy than that. Um, Norwich, potentially one of the worst sides I've seen I say at the Riverside, I wasn't at the game, but I did watch the game on Sky. It, it was a very, very insipid performance, shall we say, from the Norwich boys. Um, and it was an ex-Norwich loanee who opened the scoring in the first half. Uh, Aaron Ramsey just uh, peeling off to the back post to uh, slot in the ball that had been played across. He dutifully then went to celebrate in front of the travelling Norwich fans, which did not go down well. Um, and uh, some might say that Karma came back to bite him in the arse a little bit as he, uh, he actually got injured later on in the first half. A um, little bit of controversy as he actually went down injured and uh, the Norwich players put the ball out. Um, and then later on in the game, when a Norwich player went down, the, uh, the middle of the players didn't do the same as uh, the, the guy who went down was behind the play, so the Borough players didn't even know that he'd gone down. And they actually scored um, a second goal off the back of it, actually. Um, Hayden Hackney popping up with uh, with only his second goal of the season, his first goal at the Riverside, um, which, as he's a, a local boy, obviously meant quite a lot to him. Um, Norwich players not too happy with that, a little bit of a few protests about the fact that the Borough players haven't put the ball out of play, but Nothing the ref could do at that point. Um, there was then a third goal in, uh, in very quick succession by Cameron Archer. Um, at this point, Norwich didn't really know what hit them. They were very much just up, up against it under the cosh. Um, and, yeah, they didn't really know what to do. Um, they did manage to get a goal back in the 45th minute by uh, Josh Sargent. Just breaking in down the left-hand side and uh, just slotting it straight past his international colleague in the Borough goal, Zach Steffen. Borough re-established the three-goal lead. Uh, six minutes into injury time, as I said, uh, um, Aaron Ramsey went off injured in the first half, where Cameron Archer got his second. Um, and then into the second half, Tuba Akpom got his now customary Riverside goal. Uh, to make it eight games in a row at home that he'd scored in, and equaling uh, a record held by Tammy Abraham and former Hull City player Jared Bowen as uh, the, the current record holders for most consecutive home games scored in at eight. Um, and that's where the scoring finished. So, like I say, a very comfortable and uh, emphatic 5-1 win for the Borough. Uh, putting a bit of a dent in Norwich's hopes of being able to get into the playoffs themselves. From a podcast predictions perspective, this was possibly our first in the podcast. Every single piece of information that was written down in the book or given as a prediction was a correct answer. So, we all went for different wins. 
Myself and Stuart had gone 1-0. Andy had gone 2-0. Matt had gone 2-1. So Matt was the only person to give an away goal. And he had gone with Sargent. So, correct. Then we'd all picked guys who scored in the game. I'd gone for Archer. Stuart had gone for Akpom. I'd gone for Archer and Akpom. Andy had gone for Archer and Akpom. So, all that means to the scores. After one game, myself and Stu on two points, Andy on three points, Matt takes an early lead with four points. Well, let me just double check before we, uh, before we crack on. Um, do we have time? I think we've probably got time to go through the next game just before we have to take a small break. Uh, our next game took us to Saturday evening, where it was uh, the, the lesser spotted 7.45 sky kickoff, which was strange. But we took us to uh, to Blackburn to see Blackburn Rovers versus Hull City. Um, is there much to say on this one, Stu? It was nil-nil. Shall we move <laughs> on? Uh, I, I think he's, <clears throat> he's kind of nailed that one, as I uh, had the misfortune of actually watching this game and uh, it wasn't the best shall we say I think from from what I saw it um, having been at a beer festival in the afternoon um, it, it it wasn't amazing but it was one of those away performances which where you, if your team grinds out a point you get a point out of it the only thing at this stage in the season is it's probably it would have been more valuable to Blackburn to have, have won the game as opposed to uh, Hull actually go there to win it. Um, I definitely think they were set up not to lose and just see what they could get. Um, they didn't lose. They got a point. That's pretty, that's pretty much as, as much as I can say on, on the game. Yeah, not the, uh, not the finest of fair from a live game perspective on the TV. From a predictions perspective, uh, Stu was the least optimistic at this one and had gone for a Blackburn 2-0 win. So gets himself zero points for his own team. The three of us, however, had a little bit more optimism in the whole City boys as we'd all gone for 1-1 draws. Don't need to give you the goal scorers as it was 0-0. So myself, Andy and Matt all got ourselves a point. Stu stays on two. Our next game involves Mr Moore's team. But before we go through that game, we are just gonna take we're just gonna step away for a couple of moments to, to compose ourselves before we can dive right back in and give you the juicy, juicy Nottingham Forest content that you all deserve and that you've all come here for. So don't touch your dials, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back in just a few short moments. Recording in progress. So, after that short musical interlude there, we dive straight back in with, as mentioned before, Nottingham Forest welcoming Manchester United to the city ground. Now, on the predictions, not a lot of us had a great hope for uh, Nottingham Forest in this one. Was that was that misguided, Mr Moore? Not at all. Uh... I, I, I don't know. Like I, again, I, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I listened to some of the commentary, um, but kind of listened to some of the punditry as well. I think Forest set themselves up to, not to lose. Um, 
hand, but created quite a few, created a few chances early on, uh, culminating in a con- contentious handball from Harry Maguire. I mean, it looks like one of those ones where, you know, it made me laugh because it's kind of like been this. Um, it seems to be after a few criticisms of the kind of VAR and all that stuff this this past few weeks, it seems to have been like the refs and the old boy refs, uh, what's his name, Dermot, whatever he is, who does his little bit on Sky Sports, and now back to trying to defend the referees again. I'm like, I've seen that handball this season, and every time I've seen that handball this season, I've seen it given as a penalty. And I've definitely seen it given given as a penalty on v, as VAR. Uh, uh, you know, as a review on VAR, but oh no, of course it wasn't this time, and I don't want to be that. Oh, for, you know, everyone's going against Forest and stuff like that, but it it could have changed the context of the match. It could have changed the context of a of a team season that you know a team that's struggling at the time. You know, and who's to say they would have scored the penalty? But it looked like a Stonewall penalty to me. Um, but it wasn't given, um, and then I think from then on, really, Man United dominated. Um, they scored just before half time through Anthony. Um, yeah, just nice bit of skill. Um, nice, nice bit of skill. Save from, but once again, I think I criticised Navas possibly last week or the week before for when he makes a save, he kind of pushes it generally into more danger. Um, and then it fell to Anthony just for him to tuck it in. And then in the. Uh, you know, in the list of players that we put down for Man United to score, I very much doubt that anybody had Dallo. Um, Benitez never scored in the Premier League before. Um, of course, he popped up. You know, because God knows how, with kind of eight men behind the ball plus the goalkeeper, nobody picked up his run from left back. Room to slot the ball past Navas for 2-0. Um, yeah, I saw a stat that Forrest... I, I mean, I don't quite understand the running stats, but Forrest are either second or third worst lowest in the league, which must prove they don't run enough. But, I mean, when you spend most of your time pegged back in your own box... You've not got really much chance to do a whole lot of running anyway. So, uh, but yeah, um, tracking back is not something that Forest players seem to do um, either. So, yeah, 2-0 to Manchester United. Uh, Navas had an absolute worldie of a game again. Apparently, lots and lots of saves. I think even Bruno Fernandes went up to him at the end and was just like, yeah, fair play. You absolute awesome performance as a goalkeeper there I think looking at the kind of fan ratings of them Navas was like either a 7 or an 8 out of 10 and then the rest of the Forest players were in the 5s so that kind of shows the kind of level that he was at but yeah so yeah 2-0 win for Manchester United fully expected but slightly with a twinge of disappointment as I kind of get the feeling it could have gone better if this is on certain ways. Now strap yourselves in because I, I want to ask Matt a question. Did you ever feel that you'd get to the point in any season where your t- 
team would feel like they were missing Ryan Yates? Well, no, and I think I, I've said this before as well, haven't I, of the kind of thing of, I didn't think that he'd be the most important player for us this season. And I think that's, it's, it's shown, because he didn't start the season well, he got dropped, then he got ill, then he came back into the team after the World Cup and was the real driving force in that kind of run that took him out of the bottom three. And then he got ill, this mystery illness came back and the shoulder injuries kicked back in again and it's coincided with this no win in 11 games now or something like that. Um, yeah, it's if you would have said that to anybody and even the most diehard of Forest fan, they would have been like, yeah, he's not, he, you know, he'll be a nice fringe player for the season. He won't be the key to us, possibly not possibly going down which is troubling um, considering there doesn't seem to be any kind of light at the end of the tunnel of his injury or illness mm. anyway kind of thing and for the amount of, spe- amount of money they spent on midfielders um, yeah it's not good not good indeed sadly um, from a predictions perspective Obviously, Andy was the uh, was the most optimistic, as he usually is. I had gone for a 1-1 draw on this one. Um, Jonathan and Martial to score the goals. So, sadly, no points for Andy at all there. Um, myself, Matt and Stu had all gone for Manchester United wins. So, we got ourselves a point for the result. Um, Stu had gone 2-1 to United. Me and uh, Matt had gone 3-1 to United. Um, uh, obviously none of us uh, got the uh, goal scorer from Nottingham Forest as there was one um, and uh, due to Marcus Rashford not playing I uh, immediately lost one of my goal scorers um, sadly I also picked Martial um, Stuart picked Fernandes and Weghorst Matt had picked Martial, Fernandes and Eriksen however Paul did pick Anthony on one of his predictions. So I did get myself a bonus point for one of the goal scorers. Um, so two points for me from that game, a point of PT for Stuart Matt, and zero points for Andy, which takes us to our final game of the week. And as covered on last week's podcast, one week for me to miss A, as it was two of our podcast teams going up against one another. It was Middlesbrough versus Hull City at the Super Cellnet Riverside Stadium, as was back in the day. Sadly, it's not been that for about 25 years. Um, yeah, um, I'll tell, tell you what, we'll split it up. I'll let you talk about the first half, and I can talk about the second half, as that seems to be the way that the, year the game went. Well, as far as I was concerned, the game finished at half-time, because that's when, pretty much when City decided to stop playing. Um, it was it was an intro. I mean, I, granted, I, I did actually miss the first ten minutes, which where I understand that Middlesbrough hit the post, so it was probably a good job that I missed that. Um, it was recent recent goal machine Hayden Hackney arriving in the Lampard late running to the edge of the box. Um, what because he'd been for a pie on his way in? Is that was he at that Lampard level or? Palmer probably yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, like I I expected Hull to get absolutely pantsed in this game, and the first half started to prove me wrong when it was still nil nil after half an hour. Uh, and weirdly, the team going forward for the majority of that time was probably Hull. Um, I said in a text to you that it's not even up for debate. Hull have comfortably been the better team in the first half. They were absolutely bossing it at one point, uh, dictating the pace of the play. Um, plenty of uh, sort of dangerous-looking balls down the channels. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. You have to answer this one. Do Hull play with wingers at the minute? I, I mean, they'll, they'll play with anyone that's fit at the moment. Seeing as we've got no strikers, seeing as. <laughs> Seems as the guys running the wing should be like on the wing, and they're not. They're having to play up front because we've got one one guy who's currently playing in midfield, who's probably a recognised striker in Regan Slater, um, doing a lot of of the heavy lifting. And generally, when he's having a good game at the moment, tends to coincide with when. City play quite well, and to be honest, I thought Slater had a, a pretty good first half, um, yeah. which was reflected by the rest of the team. Uh, everything seemingly that was of purpose came through him at some point, um, and it built built to a head coming towards half time when, on forty one minutes, Hull put a corner into the box, whereby Middlesbrough thought Middlesbrough seemed to think. Ah, we've seen Hull set piece record this season. Ah, let's fucking leave him. And then Sire Maness just popped up, just glancing header right into the far corner uh, to, to put City 1 0 up into the break. And probably, dare I say it, at that time, was a deserved lead. Yeah, I agree. Uh, cue, cue the half time break where Michael Carrick then decides to work his, uh, his magic with the introduction of. Isaiah Jones. And Anthony Dinesdale. So there was an injury just before half-time to Borough's right-back Tommy Smith, um, where he went down sort of on the edge of the box. Um, and at one point, it looked like it was a bit... It, was a, it looked like it could be a bit more um, of an issue than with being let on. As they actually, I think at one point, they tried to give him oxygen, and he mm. actually refused, and he refused it. So I don't know whether they... I don't know whether the medical staff just sort of not misdiagnosed the situation or just made more of the situation than was. Because um, they brought on the stretcher as well, but he did he was able to leave the pitch of his own accord. And when he was down receiving treatment, um, Marcus Force also went down um, in a similar sort of... Uh, in, it was a similar passage of play, actually, that they both got into. Uh, and neither came back out for the second half. So Isaiah Jones came on for Marcus Fors, uh, and Anthony Dykesdale came on uh, at right back for Tommy Smith. Um, and I know that like this this saying's probably like thrown about quite a lot in football, but that substitution absolutely changed the game. Um, Isaiah Jones's pace, his trickery down that right hand side. Hull just really couldn't cope with it in the second half. Um, they got uh, they've got their just rewards within six minutes of the restart as well. Um, it, it, surprisingly enough, it came from a break where um, uh, I say five minutes, ten minutes of the restart. Sorry, um, 
Jones was breaking uh, down the right side. It was a lovely ball that was put into him from uh, Chubarakbon. Um, the ball was then cut back to the edge of the box and um, Lampard-esque, as I said earlier, there he was again, Hayden Hackney arriving late into the box. Um, and his, his effort was on target, but it took a deflection to take out Adalo's path. Um, and that was the equaliser. Um, in a similar fashion to what they'd done on Friday night against Norwich, that was the start for a bit of a five-minute blitz, really, in which Hull didn't really know what hit him. Um, the second goal came on the 58th minute with the, a Cameron Archer strike where he, he got the ball out of his feet lovely and just drilled it across um, across Darlow in the goal. It was a nice finish through his legs, really, wasn't it? He, yeah. he did well. He did well to bring the ball down at like a tight angle out on the right hand side of the box, and he, he was almost running out of room. If he'd have put that ball to um, Darlow's right, it would have gone wide of the goal. The only place that was going in was if it had hit it through his legs, which he managed to do perfectly. Unfortunately, it was another. We, uh, it's another thing where I said I sent you a text. And I was like, I think that the, uh, the defender could be a little bit disappointed in himself there. Was allowed, allowed himself to get out muscles for the ball, and then obviously just lack of pace. I suppose easiest way to say it, Art just outpaced him. But over was over that, the sort of five yards that it was, you could argue that he should be able to keep pace with him there and just muscle him off the ball, but wasn't able to. Was that the Sean McLaughlin one? As I in, as, as in Sean McLaughlin, who they'd uh, just announced earlier in the day has signed a three-year contract with uh, with City. So. Uh, what a way to celebrate. Oh, dear. Uh, and then, the, like I said, the, the, the five-minute blitz was um, was finished on the 61st minute. Um, I actually sent a text to our group saying, oh, all we need now is a tuba goal just to set the record or break the record of eight games in a row where he scored a goal at home. And... Literally within seconds of those delightful words leaving my fingers, the ball arrived at Mr. Rapcom's feet in the box. He got the ball out of his feet and he smashed it into the bottom corner to um, score for a ninth home game in a row, breaking the previous record of eight, which he held himself along with Tammy Abraham and, as, as mentioned before, Jared Bowen. Um, and it is the first time that a player has scored in nine consecutive home games since the championship was rebranded as such back in 2005. Um, after that, the game kind of petered out somewhat, no more goals, but a lot more uh, Middlesbrough chances. I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility to say that Borough could have scored another four or five goals. There was some Poor finishing, some good some good saves by Carl Darlow, but all in all, it, it was just the, the the stereotypical game of two halves, as as you might say. Do you know for me where where that went wrong? Uh, aside from the six minutes before you say that, you, it's never a good sign whether your team are one nil up away from home or not. When they start to try time wasting from fifty-two minutes, <laughs> and three minutes later they were level, like that is is a ridiculous tactic. They, I, I, the whole time wasting thing, 
will forever annoy me anyway. I understand why it's a thing. I get why it happens. But 52 minutes is ridiculous. Like, that ball is better served up the other end of the pitch in the corners if you're going to start time-wasting that way. Don't dick about with it in your own area. Because it seemed that from that point on, every short pass in our own defensive third didn't go to our own players at that point. Every short pass seemed to go wrong. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, can, I can sort of see the reason for it. Obviously, it's, it's some might call it time wasting. I mean, you'd kind of you'd, you'd imagine that the the sort of the, the management staff and the coaches have to look at it as breaking up the play or disrupting the play, disrupting the flow. Yeah. I always, yeah, I always that. And that, what I always say about that is, that you're not only disrupting, yeah, you're disrupting the other team's flow of play. You're also disrupting your own, you know, and you kind of you end up hoofing it. So, like, you play about a bit, then you end up booting it as far as you can down the pitch, which inevitably goes back to the other team, and they can launch an attack again, and you start sitting deeper and deeper and deeper, you know. And like, you know, if you're starting wasting time on fifty-two minutes, you're going to be well, you're just going to be behind the byline by the time 90 minutes comes round if you're going to defend like that because you're just going to get further and further back. Yeah, it's stupid. I, I mean, I know obviously the, the substitutions for Middlesbrough changed the game, but there was there was no need for City to, to sort of change their style. They were coping very well in the first half and linking passes together, nice little periods of play. Never happened in the second half after that. As soon as that started, it just never clicked again. So they obviously had some sort of instruction, like you say, whether it's to to disrupt the the, the Middlesbrough play or whatever. But Matt, Matt's bang on. Like it's it's that age old thing of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they tried and failed fucking miserably. There was no excuse for that second half after the way the first half went. I think luckily for for again, I'm. I'm feel it almost weirdly in a privileged position to say this as a whole fan but realistically win or lose tonight that game probably means the grand scheme of absolutely naff all it's probably more important to Middlesbrough to set a marker going down now for what's to come in the in the playoffs because not been horrible Paul I know it's mathematically possible but I, I can't see you catching Sheffield United Sheffield United are going to lose four games in a row um, I mean but, I think I've been I'm, I've been working for the, the idea that Borough were in the playoffs since they, well, since they basically lost against Burnley. Mm. To be honest with you, so, I mean, well, they lost against Huddersfield the game before, and that was that was kind of the sort of the game that really set back because they lost and Sheffield United won, and that obviously that that six point swing it's like was basically there. So. Well, they, they need to. They, they're like to me, like I say, Middlesbrough are the ones that now need to hit that purple patch. The last two games would seemingly say they're well on their way with that, but you know, us, like the whole losing that game tonight was was one probably expected, and two again not math not mathematically safe, but I I'm I'm not particularly worried at this point. Come back to me in a few weeks when when the bottom three start winning. Um, but yeah, I, it was no, it was no great It was just disappointing to see them just fold within such a short space of time. I think I'd have probably have if that game had have finished. 
by the same scoreline and Borough had scored throughout the game, I don't think I'd be quite as annoyed about it. I think what annoyed me was the fact that they, they play for an hour and a half and Hull fucked it up in six minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one of those it's one of those situations where you just sort of think to yourself like they've they've done so well in the first half. Fair enough, they they may have had this game plan of right, let's let's sort of let's look to frustrate and let's look to break up play. If we can get a goal, awesome, which they've got in the first half. And it always it always annoys me that because you, you see this sometimes when, when teams go away from home, they sort of set up to get the goal, like on the counter or like how, by ever, by our whatever means possible to that. And then they almost seem to, for one of the better phrase, shit themselves. Because like, well, we've got the goal that we wanted now, so what do we do? And I, I'll never until the last day that I ever watch football. I will never understand why a team that's on top changes the way that they're playing. It just seems baffling to me. But you see it it so often. It would have been interesting to see during the first half, again, nice little bit of link-up play between Pelkas and Traore, and back to Pelkas, who was pretty much clean through on the penalty spot and managed to side-foot it wide. If that had gone in, that was a good bit earlier in the half. Would they have adopted the same tactic earlier in the game, or would they have carried on pushing from that point? Because the goal coming just before half time, like obviously, there's natural natural break in the game. So if there's if there's going to be a change in in play, you'd think they'd have that instruction at half time. If they had a score, so I, I can't remember for the life of me when it when it was, but maybe maybe sort of like on the half hour mark, would they have changed that earlier? Because I don't think they would. No, no, you're right. And then obviously, like we said, we, we covered it in, um, again. Our chat there was an there was an effort that Hull had, I believe, and there was still one up in the second half when uh, Louis Coyle broke hmm. through, um, broke through, and then nearly broke the corner flag with his shot. Got as far as the middle of the box, and then did what all good centre halves do when they get in the box and just absolutely shat the bed. So that's at the point where you, you know when the ball boy down on the uh, the sideline is is warming up just as he sees Louis Coyle approach the edge of the box. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, 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 call, I'll call it there because we could end up talking about this one all night, to be fair. But um, from a predictions perspective, uh, Andy was Mr. Diplomatic and had gone for a 1-1 draw to try and keep as many people happy on the podcast as possible. Uh, he'd gone for a fourth goal and a one-man goal. So sadly, he doesn't get himself any points there. Um, uh, but the rest of us have all gone for uh, varying degrees of middle of the win. Um, I'd gone 2 0. Matt had gone 2 1. Stu had gone 3 0. Um, I had gone for Atpom and Fours to score, so get myself a bonus point there for Atpom. Stu had gone for Atpom to score twice and Fours to score, so gets himself a bonus point there. Matt had gone for Atpom and Ramsey to score. Sadly, Ramsey didn't play in this game as he got injured against Norwich on Friday. He had also gone for Syed Manesh to score four points, so Bags have an extra bonus point there. So, closing out the week, Mr Cook, four points from four games. Very respectable there, sir. Mr Woodmansey, five points from four games. I took seven points from four games. 
But I believe winning for the second week in a row, we just double-checked the book from the week before. Obviously, I was not here to score it. Oh, no, I do apologise. It was Mr Woodman's team who got the win last week with 10 points. But getting nine points for a second week in a row is Mr Moore. He's obviously got his prediction, predicting hat fir, fir, uh, firmly on his head this current time. So that, that's week 35, but Dustin. Like we said at the start of the podcast, four games to predict this week. Um, and our first game takes us to Merseyside. Stu will be happy. For Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest. This is our first three o'clock Saturday game. Obviously, it's Mr. Moore's team. He will go last. This is Nottingham Forest away from home, ladies and gentlemen. So, I, of course, have not picked them to score. I've gone for a 4 0 Liverpool win, sadly. Gone for Salah to score twice. And then one apiece for Gakpo and Firmino. Uh, let's go to Mr. Cook for his input on this one. One else first. Oh my! <laughs> no, sorry, no. I'm looking at the wrong one. No, one all, a one all draw. I did. I did wonder. Uh, your goal scorers, please. Um, Diaz. Ooh. And you know what's coming? A one ye. See what he's done there, kids. He's only gone and led us down the garden path, and then he's thrown in a one e in there just to just to just to put the mockers on everybody. Uh, Mister Woodmansey, your favourite team? Uh, yeah, and, and after they played Leeds on Monday night, very disappointed that neither team just decided to just fuck off into oblivion. Um, you've been reading my script. Because I have, unfortunately for Matt, also gone 4-0 Liverpool. But I've gone one for Salah, two for Gakpo, and one for Big Verge. I'll take, I'll take that, because I've got both Salah and Gakpo in my fancy team. So, I'll have that. Another goal for Van Dijk. As well. Go on, Matt. Tell of the damage. You're going to be shocked here. I've gone for a one-all draw. Oh! <laughs> I'm hoping that they've used up all their goals and stuff like because they seem to kind of go for these kind of big win, then bit of a kind of flub. I mean, we'll probably end up being four-nil, but I've just I've gone for it. I'm feeling optimistic this week. I'm thinking maybe I need to kind of radiate some more positivity. Um, uh, so yeah, I've gone uh, Salah for Liverpool and old boy roll. A one year for Forest. In fairness to Matt, he's not, he's not wrong because I think that game against Leeds the other night was the first game that they've won since they beat Man United seven nil. So there is there is method to the guy's madness. Not not only that, I may have to check this stat, but I'm pretty sure that's the first goal they've scored away from Paul against a team below them in the league. I mean, On this a game, Monday night, this when game, the wind is blowing from that, that yeah, Anfield, so. So that's our first game, done and dusted. Our next game takes us to Hull, where we see Hull City taking on Watford. Mr. Woodman's team, he will go last. 
I've gone for a 1 1 draw. Two fan football, Semmer, the score for Watford. Mr. Moore? I've gone for a 2 1 Hull win. Lovely. Goal scorers? Uh, Syed Manesh and Tufan and Saw for Watford because they are terrible. They 100% are. Mr. Cook? 1 0 to Hull, Longman to score. Yeah. Sorry, who was your goal scorer? Longman. Longman came Long on tonight. Man. Back in the uh, back in the squad. Go on, you. No, so Watford got beat badly by a team below them, I think, this evening. 3 1 at home to Cardiff, so they're clearly going to come to Hull and win 2 0. I've got João Pedro and Davis, just one for Matt there. Ah, yes, of course. The uh, old boy rule, but not in the way that you would think, ladies and gentlemen. Podcast old boy. Yeah. A guy who was on loan at Forest last season. Two games left to predict, but before we get into those two games, we are just going to take a short break, just again, just before we uh, give you those two games. So, again, don't touch your dials. We'll be right back. Recording in progress. So we told you, mere seconds, ladies and gentlemen. So, two games down, two games to go. Our third game of the week sees um, possibly the most important game for Middlesbrough between now and the end of the season. Playoffs dependent, as they travel down to Kenilworth Road to take on Luton Town in what could be a third slash fourth place sort of decide. Um, now obviously this is my this is my team, so I will go last on this one. Uh, all I'll say is that this one is being played on a Monday and is live on the Sky Telebox. Um, obviously Aaron Ramsey didn't play tonight. Sorry, didn't play against Hull on Wednesday. Not to date the podcast. Um, so, may not be fit in time for Monday, but obviously that's a fair amount of days away. So, if he did pick him, there's a possibility he might not be in the point. Um, let's go to Andy for the first pick, or the first bridge. Nil two. Wow. No scores? Archer. Tubes. I like it. Of course, Mr. Atbom coming off the uh, back of the uh, record-setting ninth home game scored in a row. Doesn't like to do the business as much away from home, but let's hope for Andy's sake that that changes from next Monday. Matt, what have you got for this I've taken into account that it's crucial for both teams, so I've gone for a really, really exciting one-all draw. <laughs> uh, uh, I've gone for Adebayo for Luton. Yes. And Chuba for Borough. Yeah, boy. Mr. Woodman, see? Very similar. 
Uh, obviously, it's probably now must win for Luton, which means they probably won. So I've gone for a one-all draw as well. Um, special shout out, by the way, to Andy Carroll for his effort for Reading tonight, scoring on oh, on Wednesday. Uh, scoring on 51 minutes and then getting sent off five minutes later for appearing to score again, but then only to be discovered to have handballed it into the net. You horrible, lanky piece of yes. Um, so I've gone one all, and I've gone for uh, Campbell for Luton and Akpom for the Borough. The only problem is they're, set, they're starting to set a dangerous precedent with that because it's like an unofficial VAR because the ref didn't give it and the lino didn't give it. So who the fucking hell gave it? Because mm-hmm. uh, like that, and I think they've got to be really careful with that because they're like, oh, no VAR, no, no VAR. But then somebody somewhere, either the fourth official's got eagle eyes and can see it from further away than the other two people who should have been given it given it or someone's watched it on a video uh, it's with the fourth official uh, <laughs> but yeah so yeah but yeah says you might have dirty bathroom uh, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> right so I'm just checking the stats so Sheffield United second of the table Four games to play, 82 points. Luton, third of the table, three games to play, 75 points. Borough, fourth of the table, three games to play, 74 points. So, Luton are seven points behind Sheffield United. Borough are eight points behind Sheffield United. So, if Sheffield United win on Saturday, and they are playing... Uh, no one it would appear. I think they might be playing. Yeah, uh, they're in the FA Cup. Oh, bloody hell, they're in the FA Cup, the wankers. Um, right, so... Need to get that game in hand somewhere, don't they? So they can uh, hold it over you until the last minute to uh, yeah. secure so, that. Regardless of this result, they can't be promoted on... I don't think. No, because if, the, if they're eight points with four games, even if you've only got three games, then you can still overtake them by one, can't you? So they can't no, be promoted no. this weekend. Well, hang on. No, they can't. So, well, I was going to say, because if it's a draw, technically the most Luton can get to is, eight, is 82 points. Yeah. Borough would be out of it, because Borough would only be able to get to 81 points. So a draw pretty much promotes Sheffield United. So I've gone for a 2-2 draw. <laughs> um, I think this is one way it's going to be proper caging, but then might open out a bit if both teams think they're in with a chance of getting automatic. And I think that'll play very much into sort of like both team's defensive hands slash attacking hands. I don't really know. But yeah, I've gone for a 2-2 draw. I've gone for Morris and Rudakam Panzu to score for Luton. And Fors to score for the Borough. Our final game 
of the week takes us back to Nottingham, where we have Nottingham Forest taking on Brighton and Hove Albion. Mr. Moore's team, he will go last. Uh, Stu, what have you got for this one? A little bit, a little bit more optimistic this time. I've got one-one. Uh, so I've got a one-ye for Forest and Ka- is Casiedo, Casiedo for Casiedo. Yes, that guy. Moises Casiedo. He is, of course, a defensive midfielder, well known for his goal-scoring prowess. So let's see. Well, 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 has he ever scored in the Premier League? There we go. Andy, what have you got for this one? So this was the one where I had 1-0. Goal scorer? (laughs) (laughs) See, I I clearly ruined my own joke. By uh, you know, going off too soon. <laughs> this is where we, Andy goes. <laughs> Never. <laughs> uh, stranger things have happened. Things he hasn't done recently. So. <laughs> just just tonight for sorry, just on Wednesday, for example, uh, a last minute equaliser from Coventry was scored by the goalkeeper. Let's ignore the fact that he clearly put it in with his hands. That's neither here nor there. It still went, in, it still went down as a goal. So. Yeah, Andy Carroll. Uh, oh, they didn't have the fourth official at... Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, what? they decided to not employ the uh, fourth official in this one. Um, for the Nottingham Forest Bright game, however, I agree with Stu in that I have also gone for a 1-1 draw. I've gone for Johnson to score for Nottingham Forest. And despite what anyone tells me, I will not call this man... McAllister, because his name is Alexis Mac Alister, as it is two separate words. So Alexis Mac Alister, I've got to score for Brighton. Is that a bit like Brereton Diaz? Or no, no, it is not. Welcome to Paul's pedantic about footballers' names soapbox section of the podcast this week. <laughs> Correct. Your point being to Next week. <laughs> <laughs> Spell uh, Ali Arsayan Manesh without looking. <laughs> right then, Mr Moore, it's the last prediction of the, of the week. Give us your thoughts on your own He was brought up in conversation earlier on going to be back to lead the way against Brighton going for a 2-1 Forest win Mitoma for Brighton Johnson for Forest and Ryan Yates to get the winner Johnson and the shit out himself Stepping up, bagging himself a goal. If it happens, you'll be hearing it here first, ladies and gentlemen. So that is your week 36 predictions brought to an end. However, for those of you who like new stuff on the podcast, keep your eyes peeled as next week 
on the podcast, we may debut a slightly new segment. Um, it may be where we hand the reins, so to speak, over to the Cookie Cast podcast produ- producer. I suppose he is the producer, but he's the, uh, he's the, he's the, he's the dom, if you will, the kingpin, the lynch man, um, Mr. Andrew Cook. And obviously, we cover my team, Middlesbrough Football Club. We cover Stu's team, Old City Football Club. We cover Nottingham Forest, Mr. Matthew Moore's football club. But sadly, Andy doesn't technically have a football club, so we can't really um, we can't really call him each week to uh, to give us his uh, his team's results. So potentially starting next week, we're uh, we're going to open up the uh, the rest of the world, as it were. Um, we're going to allow Mr. Cook to pick a favourite team that he would like to uh, to select. We'll give a little bit of a blurb about that particular team and uh, why Mr. Cook's picking them. And then we will all select the result that we think is going to happen that particular week. Now, a suggestion that Mr. Woodbancy brought to the table, well, we'll, uh, we'll leave that for, uh, for if it's needed in uh, one of the uh, future podcasts. But that's another thing to keep your... Uh, your taste buds just tingling away there and obviously if, if it's required I'll, uh, I'll let Mr Womancy give you the details of uh, his thought process on that one so that's the, uh, that's the podcast done for yet another week all that's left for me to do is thank these wonderful gentlemen once again for joining me to take you through the uh, murky depths of the English Championship the English Premier League and potentially some cup competitions if our things weren't shit enough to uh, not still be in so there you go join us again next week ladies and gentlemen where we'll do it all over again for you lovely lovely people but until then it's tatty bye from all of us goodbye so there you go what you think to that another one done another one gone another week of games reviewed another week of games previewed predicted and everything in between big thank you for listening big thank you for watching and uh if i can just ask one last thing before you go if you've enjoyed this podcast please click the like button share the podcast around subscribe if you already haven't check out the website cookiecast.com there we've got social media links and an email button that way you can get in touch with us that's it for this one until next time i'm going to say bye and i'll see you then Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.